Hi, I'm Ben, the Gold Rush player. I'm Jared, the Solar Game Master, and together we are the Starting Equipment Podcast. So we're here with another mini episode. I was looking at our catalog and going over some of our old episodes, and I realized something. There are a couple of games that we talk about a lot, but we haven't actually reviewed yet. And I promise we will get to them. These are games that we love and therefore talk about a lot. And we wanted to, until we release reviews on all of them, just give you a quick how to tell if maybe these games are for you. And we're just going to do a couple minutes on each of these games about what we think is super neat about them. Because top secret, they're all super awesome. And if you're looking for a new game that's a little different from what you've been playing, give them all a shot or at least read the back of the box. All of these are are some of my favorite games. So first up, we're going to talk about Lancer. Lancer is a far future mech combat in space game. At its core, Lancer is divided into two separate games. There is the narrative play, you know, your role playing, which is super rules light. Yeah. And very fast and very fun and is one of my favorite role playing systems out there. It really puts the onus on the players. NPCs don't even have stats. The core system is the player says what they want to do. The storyteller basically tells them the consequences if they fail and how hard the role is. And then the player decides if they want to do it and they roll and we see what happens. It's awesome. And better NPCs, like if you want to beat a super good martial artist in combat, it's just going to be a more dangerous role and something worse will happen to you if you fail. And so it's super rules light. And then you have the other side, which is a tabletop minis game, uh, which is exactly how it sounds like. Just like D&D, Pathfinder, any of that, I would highly suggest having actual minis. And if you can have a battle map, it'll be really handy because you basically have to have one. You have to have a hex map. In fact, it's such a good minis game that there is apparently a Lancer skirmish game community where they literally just build mechs and treat it like it's a game like Warhammer 40k. And so if you really like combat to feel crunchy and cool and easy to visualize, but you want your role playing to be all about story, Lancer's the game for you. Also, their mechs do not feel stereotypical. You can mix and match and build pretty much whatever you want. And some of their mechs are really wild and really cool. Honestly, if you had just finished a D&D campaign and we're really interested in playing something similar in a lot of ways, but sci-fi, I would highly suggest it. There's there's a lot of differences, but just from that pure focus on your tactical combat and then a separate part for the narrative, that totally works. I could go on and on. I really love all of the mechs in Lancer, but I'm just going to tell you super quickly about one of my favorites, and then we're going to move on. One of the mechs is a gajillion however many nanobots working together in one swarm and it forms each weapon as it needs it and you can change weapons mid-fight as you rearrange your nanoparticles to be different weapons and it just rolls over and consumes the countryside in its wake freaking sweet it's so cool but on to Spire, which is a very different game i'm not even sure how to describe it beyond 
Would you say high fantasy, Jared? So the next thing we want to talk about is Spire. Spire is super cool. So you play the Dark Elves. Unlike it's playing off the D&D trope of like Dark Elves are evil, except there was an ancient war between the Dark Elves and the High Elves and the Dark Elves lost. You were conquered by the oppressive, brutal, colonialist, fascist High Elves. It's just what it is. Your people have been conquered, they have been effectively enslaved, and there is a resistance fighting against your oppressors, your colonialist oppressors. And guess what you are. Ta-da! That resistance is called the Ministry, and it is incredibly secretive, because here's the thing. You guys lost the war. Their war machine is way bigger than yours. If you just start killing officials, if you try to start a traditional revolt, they're just going to get cruel and punish your people, and you're going to lose. You cannot win in a straight fight. But what you can do is you can slowly over generations free your people and you can corrupt them and you can blackmail them and you can weaken their position and that's the goal the goal is like you're not even trying to free the city you're trying to make it so that somebody further down the line can free the city how you advance they call it advancing not level up here is you get a minor new power a minor advancement when you make a small change to the city like to a neighborhood or a block You get a medium power when you make a medium change to the city. And if you change the city in a way that it can never be changed back, you get a huge power. Such a cool system. Such a cool system. Very creative too. My favorite thing about Spire and why it is, I'll be very clear. Spire is my current favorite role-playing game. And the reason it is, is hands down... It has the most inventive classes I've seen in a really long time. So one of the things, I'm just going to talk about one or two of them real fast and then we'll move on. One of the things that culturally the high elves, the oppressors do is they wear masks in public. And so one of the classes is a mask wearing class. You have picked this up from them and you have used magic to weaponize it. And you can actually, as you develop and get more powers, become different people, learn different things when you put on different masks. And so you you can put on a mask that makes you super good at sneaking. One of my favorites is you take stress in this game and you can take mental stress that like drives your character crazy. Well, you can put on a mask in a time of high stress and just put all of your mental stress into that mask and it goes away and doesn't affect you until you put that mask back on. (laughs) And the game makes you put that mask back on eventually because you take more and more stress the longer you put that mask on. But it's like, oh, I'm about to do something dangerous that might drive my character crazy. Deal with it later. Not for this scene. And the second class I wanted to talk about, and this is probably what I would play, there is another class that basically takes the tiny gods that exist in the world and put them in your equipment to give your equipment superpowers. And you can create what you want and how you want to do it. But an example that I heard from a game somebody ran is they put a god... I forget what it was the god of. I wasn't in the game. In their gloves. And so it just meant that the power that their gloves gained is whenever I come across a door, it's going to be unlocked. Ta-da. Ta-da! And really cool thing that I like about their system is this wants to be a really narrative game too. So it doesn't want you to bog down in roles. So it says, if there isn't high stakes, if there isn't somebody trying to make you fail, you don't have to roll. You just do it. You want to break into a place and you're picking the lock? Well, unless there's a guard about to come around the corner, you don't have to roll. You can just do it. If the guard's coming around the corner, you have to roll. 
But if you've distracted the guard to make sure that they're somewhere else and you have as long as it takes, there's no like, oh no, I accidentally broke my tools or broke the lock. You're just in. You're a badass. You're in. Let's move on to a system with, let's just say, a little bit more variance. Mage, which I currently play as a mage in our uh, Hunter game. And that game, you do need to roll for everything because pretty much everything has the potential for catastrophic consequences in a really fun ways. Let's talk briefly about Mage, where it fits in the Chronicles of Darkness. The Chronicles of Darkness is this massive system that Onyx Path has made. We talk about Hunter that we play a lot. That is one of the things in the Chronicles of Darkness. And the way Chronicles of Darkness work is there's, I think, a dozen games at this point. About a dozen. We're going to get somebody who's going to email us with the correct number of different games, all of which you can play on their own. But they can also be put together and played together. If you hate your GM, like we do. Yep. I, I We call it Hunter, but it's not Hunter anymore. It's a full tapestry game. It used to be Hunter, and now everybody has a template. Every And when we say template, we mean everybody has a supernatural type. So there's werewolves, there's mages, there's vampires, there's the fae, there, you know, there's changelings, on and on. on and on and on. And the whole stick of the mage is what mages do is you play with the fundamental rules of reality. You pick certain spheres, like time, fate, forces, which is like lightning bolts. And then you can manipulate anything within those spheres, given your character's power. So like level five, like a power five time mage can mess with time in a myriad of ways. And there are set spells that you can use, but this game really wants you to have flexibility. Ben, why don't you talk to us about a couple of the cool things that your time slash fate mage has done recently? The possibilities truly are endless. For instance, I made it so that the next bullet in a chamber that was set to be fired was going to detonate because it had been made improperly. And then another thing I did was I made the audio from the previous day or so play back over the combat group's mics while they were trying to organize a resistance to our intrusion. They broke into this military facility, and as soon as the guards started to organize, he just played back random messages from their past over the thing, so they didn't have any idea what was current and what wasn't, and it was freaking sweet. But that's what makes Mage really exciting, at least for me, um, and I think for other people as well, is that if you just want to hit somebody with something, this is not going to be the system for you. It will push you creatively, and I think that that's a lot of fun. It's going to make you up your game as a player and try and improve yourself as part of the narrative. So Mage is one of the many games where its greatest strength is also its biggest weakness. Its yeah. greatest strength is that you can do anything. The weakness is the system that has to exist to let you make custom spells to do anything is complicated. Expect the first time, the first couple of times that you cast a custom spell that isn't one of the spells in the book, expect it to take 20 minutes. It did for us. And that's with between session practice with other players. So like, you're just going to have to work at it. And once it comes together, it's great. But man, you got to work at it. Yeah, we made a cheat sheet to make it faster. But like now that we've done it a bunch of times, it takes us, I don't know, a minute to do a spell. Like now we just breeze through it. If you're someone who gets frustrated, if you can't jump into a game right away, maybe stay away from Mage because it takes some pretty serious rules investment, but is a really sweet game. And we could really just play that loop again for our <laughs> next game. 
Exalted. Oh, Exalted, you do so many things well and a few things not so well. So the main thing I want to say before we get going on this is, with all due respect to new players, this is system is not for you. Um, I mean that with all the kindness in the world. There are two reasons for that. One is the rules are incredibly complicated and all of the powers change the rules. And so not only do you need to learn the rules, you need to know the rules well enough to know the rules when they change. And they do so a lot. And they do almost every time you roll the dice, somebody is doing something to change the way the dice roll. And two, this is a super setting-dependent game. Part of what makes Exalted so good and part of what makes it so much fun is that the setting is really rich and the setting is so important to the game. But that means that the core book is 700 pages. And if you want to play Exalted, it's not one of those things where you can just read the rules section and then play. You have to read the 700-page book. You're going to need a few months before you start playing, first of all, just to read the book and then to make the three or four characters that you'll need to to figure out what you want to play and how to play it effectively. And I will also be real. This is not a speed thing. The way combat happens in this game, in this third edition, which I love, it's very cinematic. They want it to feel like an action movie. They want it to feel like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, where you're pushing each other back and forth and almost hitting each other. And then like it culminates in a super big move. And that's what they want. And it it works and it's really interesting. And I really love it. But, 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 but combat's going to take you three hours. And that's... If everybody knows what they're doing. Combat is a session. A lot of the times we will get to a big combat and then say, okay, guys, we'll do the combat next week. It's a great game, but it has some flaws. So what the setting is, it's basically Japanese animism. Everything in the world has a spirit. Those spirits are often referred to as gods. There is a higher celestial hierarchy that makes the world run. The god of this blade of grass reports to the god of this field, who reports to the god of grass, who reports to the god of the prairie, who reports to the god of seasons, so on and so on. Together they make the world work. You are an exalted. There are many different types, but you play somebody who is more than human. You were once human and you have been blessed by one of the gods, chosen by one of the gods because you are more. The gods made the exalted to do things that they couldn't do. That's a longer part of the setting review. We don't need to go into that much history. All of this is at least like 50 pages condensed into two or three words. Yeah. uh, There's like, yeah, there's I think 100 pages of history in the book. And, And it's interesting. It's really good. But basically, one thing that the gods couldn't do is they created the Exalted to run the world for them. But they didn't put in enough safeguards when they made the Exalted. And so, for better or worse, the Exalted have taken over and can, some of them, establish dominion over gods. And so the gods who created them have, with all but the greatest gods, taken second fiddle to the Exalted. Why to play Exalted? We've said it's complicated. We've said it's hard to get into. We've said it takes a lot of work. Why to play Exalted? Do you want to feel like a badass? Do you want to play a character who can walk into an entire army and fight them one on a thousand and win? That's Exalted. If you like Avatar The Last Airbender, that's Exalted. Do you want to be giant world-changing characters? That's Exalted. One of my favorite powers that you can have. This was in second edition. It's not in third edition, but this gives you an idea of the sort of stuff you can do. You could write a personal letter to someone telling them all of the reasons why you hate them and they are bad people and that their life isn't worth living. And you can make it so poignant that their soul, seeing that there is no point to their life, leaves their body and goes to the afterlife. You can letter someone to death. 
what a cool system. You know, you can write someone a letter. You have failed your family so bad, you should just die. And if you roll well enough, they will. You can letter somebody to death. It is so crazy. And the world is built so well, even from a non-mechanical perspective. You just want to exist in that world. Exalted has long been one of my favorite games. We keep playing it. You know, the bad is the rules are complicated, unnecessarily so. And combat takes 12 years. The positives are the storytelling opportunities in this world are wild. But on to something completely and absolutely different. You don't want to play a game where you have to roll a million dice. Oh, also, last thing about Exalted, you will roll a million dice. You will regularly pick up 30 dice and roll them. That is just a thing that you have to do in in Exalted. (laughs) Do you want the opposite of that experience? Play Amber Diceless. No dice. There is a system called Amber Diceless. It is decided entirely without dice. It is based on the series of books called the Amber Chronicles. Good books. Definitely give them a read. I'm going to be real with you. Uh, I'll tell you guys a little bit more about why in a second. Amber Chronicles, more than anything else we've talked about today, I think you have to play with the right group. It is semi-competitive. You will not be working as a team the whole time. Every player has their own goal and they are trying to win. And you will have to work with other players to accomplish your goal. But it's a lot of politics. It's a lot of, we're going to work together while secretly I'm trying to manipulate you into helping me do my goal, right? And so you have to both be really into narrative storytelling and be okay lying to your friends, competing with your friends, and backstabbing your friends. If you are okay (laughs) with those things, Amber Diceless is for you. If you are not okay with those things, stay away. The world of Amber, there are two places. One is pure chaos and one is pure order. And one of those places is the great city of Amber. And these are the only two real places. Everything else that exists Every possible dimension and thing that you could create is a shadow of amber or its opposite number. Only the people who are from one of these two places are really real. Not that we don't live our lives, but like you're simply less real if you are from somewhere else. And what that means is that the people in amber, every generation, there aren't many of them who are true amberites, but every generation, you are very badass and you can essentially teleport, planeswalk, whatever you want to call it, to any shadow until you find the shadow you want. So one of the characters in the book, Benedict, is the master of war because he is simply walked to a hundred thousand worlds and fought a hundred thousand wars and they even say that like he was genghis khan in our world and he was napoleon bonaparte in our world and he's been a thousand generals on a thousand other planets so there is simply nobody in existence who knows more about war than him because he's fought every type of war with every type of technology magic dragons guns lasers he's fought it all and that's just his shtick The other cool thing, really cool, really strange thing about Amber, and this is a reason to do it, character creation is done. Everybody gets a certain number of points. It is done as an auction. You don't have a strength of 10 like D&D or whatever it is. You all sit together as a group and, you know, say, okay, we're going to start the bidding for strength at five. And each person says how many points they're willing to bid. And your strength is simply relative to the other people in the game. So the person who bids the most most will have strength one. They are stronger than everybody else at the table. This person who made the second highest bid will have strength two, which means strength one will win any pure contest of strength 
with anybody else at the table. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be a pure contest of strength. You can use trickery, you can use magic, you can use other things to turn the tide of battle. But like, you know, there's magic one, there's blank one. And so sometimes I played a character, I played a game where everybody was fighting over one stat. And I just simply accepted that because everyone wanted to play a magic character and and that's what they all wanted to be. So everyone was fighting over one stat. And so I simply expected accepted that I was going to be a worst at that stat. And I was the best in three categories. Oh, jeez! And I was an absolute monster. And so the game is is competitive by nature and really all about doing whatever you want. You want to play a shapeshifter? You can do that in this game. You want magic to reshape worlds? You can do that in this game. You want to be a dude whose sole talent is that he's almost impossible to kill? You can do that. The main character in the first five books, that's who he is. He's clearly the toughness one of his generation. And at one point in the books, I'm giving away a little, so spoiler, turn us off. We're almost done. If you don't want to hear this, spoiler, spoiler. At one point, he gets his eye plucked out. Uh, he gets tortured in some other ways, but he gets his eye plucked out. And over the course of the next couple of years, it just grows back because he's that tough. And it takes a couple of years. Like if you want him to stay down, you got to kill him. You got to kill him hard. Anything other than killing him will not keep him down. Do not put him in a jail cell and cripple him for life. He will come for you. It might not happen quickly, but he will come for you. This is Amber. This is what you can do with Amber. It's super sweet. So I think that really wraps it up for us. I'm Ben, the Gold Rush player. And I'm Jared, the Solar Game Master. Thank you for joining us. We have been the Starting Equipment Podcast.